Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. I'm so excited. I got my new Mac DevOps t-shirt. Yay! You too could be this excited. Check out our website and click on the button that says buy t-shirt. You too will feel a rush. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. Today we continue our series post-conference. We continue with guests and speakers and topics relevant to the Mac DevOps community. I'm joined by my very beautiful co-host, Jack Daniel, how are you doing? How's it going, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited because I got my shirt. Yay. Only two weeks mm. after the conference. Only two weeks after the conference. I ordered it a month before. So, <laughs> you know, Canada, that little country where the postal mail doesn't work. Is the postal mail also on horseback, like your Mounties? I think so. What the? Maybe. Well, without further ado, we have to welcome our other co-host, Shauna. How are you doing, Shauna? Pretty good. Hanging 10. Did you get your shirt? I got my shirt like three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Worn it out. <laughs> a long time ago. ago. <laughs> we have to send you a new one. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we have a special guest, Philip, Phil Schneider. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no, it's a great pleasure. We like to welcome people from all over the world. And uh, we ran into each other on the Discord for the Mac DevOps. I was saying hello to everybody like an animal and said hi to you. And I'm always excited when there's people coming from far away to hang out with us. So thanks for coming to Mac DevOps online. Thank you again. I, I just hope it isn't a criteria to be here um, to have a, to have a t-shirt because I am ashamed to <laughs> say that I haven't yet ordered mine. Oh. I am not even sure whether it's still possible. Yeah, I think in podcast time there will be a ticket online where we can uh, sell sell you a shirt. At this very real moment, I don't think you can actually buy one. But by the time you hear the sound of my voice, 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 it'll be a t-shirt. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. How did you hear about Mac DevOps and what did you think? Okay, so I was just hanging around in the Mac admin Slack as you know, I do most days. And I can't remember which channel it was, but um, what's his name? Uh, Joel. Joel from Jamf uh, posted a, a little teaser uh, about his, uh, his presentation, which was to do with creating a single sign-on extension um, in Mac OS, and particularly with... Uh, making it work for Microsoft Office. And so I was very interested in that. And I've been an uh, admirer or fan of Joel's um, for a while. Uh, really love the stuff he's been doing uh, before his um, uh, move to Jamf with uh, Nomad. And yeah, I've been uh, using that um, at customers that uh, my company looks after. So yeah, I watched that video and got very excited when he said that he was going to be doing a presentation on the at, Meg, at Mac DevOps, and at the time I was like probably most of the world, sitting at home, maybe going a little bit crazy, uh, 
due to all the social distancing restrictions that were going on. And so I, very spur of the moment, just decided to uh, buy a ticket and attend uh, Mac DevOps, even though it was going to be at some terrible hour of the morning, I think uh, 1.30 a.m. my time. Ouch. So, yeah, I just uh, I bought the ticket on a sort of a, a whim <laughs> at the time, and there I was. And so how was attending a conference uh, at one in the morning? <laughs> um, maybe more difficult than I expected. I have a renewed uh, appreciation for all uh, those uh, people who work uh, like in shift kind of roles, you know, uh, nurses, doctors who have, uh, you know, shifts at random hours of the day and often have to uh, transition between you know, a day shift and night shift, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, I've, suffice to say, I it was a lot harder than I expected to fight against my body clock and the, circa- the natural circadian rhythms um, that it was it was wanting. Well, I mean, because we stream to YouTube, you could pick up the stream later, and we put out the videos soon after. But definitely with the stream, I'm I'm hoping that you were able to get some sleep and then catch up on the videos. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was that was certainly the way I tried to do it. I was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, take the afternoon off the day before, and you know, try and go to bed early, and you know, just sleep through till midnight when I can, you know, get up and prepare myself for, you know, viewing the conference live. Um, going to bed was okay. Sleeping for a decent amount of time did not happen. So I, you know, maybe fall asleep for three hours and then wake up and not be able to fall back to sleep for the rest of the evening. So I think the first night I got up and made bread and other random things like that. <laughs> so what you're saying is Mac DevOps is not the best for Australians. We got to work on our timing. That's right. Maybe next year you can, you know, hold it uh, in an Australian time zone. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. An Australian friendly time zone if we're still at home. This morning we had a meeting and we had one special guest who was from Australia. So it was one in the morning for him and it's like, you know, afternoon for uh, the Americans and, uh, you know, in Europe, that's even later. So just trying to have a meeting with people from all around the world, that's very difficult. Yeah. However, you know, regardless of the difficulty um, of getting up at, you know, during the middle of the night to uh, attend Mac DevOps, I was really uh, glad for the opportunity. Um, I doubt if it was, you know, uh, happening as it, uh, did in previous years in person um, that I would have been able to make it. So having this opportunity for an online conference and being able to attend from my lounge room, sitting on my couch, watching uh, the stream on on the TV was great. I'm glad you could make it. We did get a lot of people from around the world joining us and some of them didn't really want to take a plane, even if they could. And so it's nice to be able to to catch up from all around the world. Was there anything that uh, caught you by surprise as like really, really cool? Not so much by surprise, but I was really appreciative of the uh, Monkey Report workshop uh, that was held. It's something that I had you know, heard of before, but never actually got around to implementing anywhere. Um, so it was, oh, yeah, it was great to like, get, I guess, a distilled rundown um, of the product, how it works, and really sort of, you know, flesh out the sort of core understanding of um, it as a as a system and I guess I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to implement things unless I actually understand them 
um, because you know I want to make sure I'm considering uh, the product uh, holistically uh, for any customer that I might um, you know decide to implement it. Uh, so you know obviously from a security standpoint, an operational standpoint, you know all those things are important. So having a a good understanding of the product for me is uh, essential. So I think I had uh, one customer who was interested in getting it going. So now I'm gonna, yeah, give it a shot. IIS, get uh, PHP IIS. installed and yeah, yeah IIS, um, just because that's their existing uh, infrastructure. So rather than, you know, reinvent the wheel and try and add extra systems to back up and all that kind of thing, see if I can get it running on there. Uh, yeah, existing existing stuff. Well, good luck and reach out in the uh, Slack. There's <laughs> definitely people with experience there. And that happened to be our, our meeting this morning. There's a, a certain Australian by the name of Mosin who's doing a, a huge undertaking to rewrite parts of Monkey Report. So we're hoping to test a awesome, like feature-rich new version this summer. So mm -hmm. people are working hard around the world. That's what I love. Sounds exciting. Yes, so much going on. Are are you using Monkey and what's your stack look like? Um, personally, um, I'm a big fan of Monkey. I love it. And what I love most about it is how it just natively handles um, many types of application distribution formats. So whether it's package, whether it's uh, disk image, whether it's, you know, just a drag and drop, you know, um, you can ha you know, when you're importing something, you can point it directly to an installed application bundle and it will just wrap it in a disk image and you know have it ready for um, deployment as well as adobe creative cloud uh, quite a few customers that you know have the or use parts of the creative cloud suite so having it be able to support uh, that format natively is fantastic although i'm sure we all would wish that adobe would not do their own thing and actually you know conform <laughs> to <laughs> some <True. laughs> added deployment models so yeah, um, uh, I guess uh, as far as the stack goes, um, Monkey uh, I like quite a lot for deployment. Um, I generally pair that with, well, of course, pair that with an MDM product. Um, get customers using you know the deployment programs, um, uh, prefer preferably uh, to help roll out their machines. So limit the amount of touching that needs to uh, be done. Uh, just recently, I got a uh, customer uh, doing that and got a, yeah, basically a zero touch from IT um, deployment happening. Uh, the full deployment workflow got them into um, the desktop environment, used uh, DP, DP notifier, dep notifier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, to give them a nice uh, status screen and have some scripting uh, in the back there to, uh, yeah, get their sort of core apps um, up and running. So that was really cool. And you're using Jamf too? Uh, yeah, Jamf. Um, also have had a little bit of experience with uh, what was um, what is now Jamf School, um, which was Zulidesk and also Mosile. Mosile, yeah. Yeah. How do you say that? Depends on what side of the world you're on. Well, it's kind of like that old uh, company I used to deal with, Azure. I was like, is it AJA or Azure? And they're like, just give us money. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> buyer stuff so does that does that answer your question i think yes. so <laughs> do you have a home lab set up with monkey and monkey report um no but i do have a 2014 mac mini running esxi 
that I have my uh, firewall and PyHole server running on. Nice. nice. In VMs. You need another so uh, Mac so Mini. I'm prepared. So I'm prepared. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have, I have another 2014 Mac Mini that's just running uh, Mac OS for a caching server. Oh, you could throw on that Two Canoes MDS, and then you get a free monkey, monkey report server right there. Yeah, that was another thing that I was uh, really uh, it was really cool to see. Um, once again, you know, I'd heard of uh, MDS uh, a number of years ago, and probably at the time it wasn't really, uh, well, its functionality wasn't that useful to me, you know, trying to get uh, customers where possible, uh, doing the right thing as far as, you know, having their uh, Macs and uh, iOS devices in Apple Business Manager or Apple School Manager using MDM for deployment and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to find out that it now allows you to easily um, get a copy of uh, uh, Monkey and uh, Monkey Report up and running through you know, Apache Config, that's great, uh, particularly with yeah. uh, you know, the need now to manually specify Apache Config files uh, if you d- decide to host it on macOS, which I have had to do. I like how he went from just deploying macOS to machines that perhaps you couldn't use Deploy Studio or you couldn't image nicely, the ones at T2 Max, to, well, let's have the whole life cycle. We can keep the Macs in Monkey to keep the apps updated, get the inventory in Monkey Report so you can keep a status on what's going on. I mean, it just makes sense as a whole life cycle. Um, And Monkey Report works at Jamf too, so, I mean, you can get them reporting and get all that good info. How's Shauna doing? I'm just listening over here. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious about, um, like, so do you own your own business and you um, have clients and kind of run infrastructure or like, what is your work life like? Sure. Um, so I work for a company called Blackbird IT uh, here in Adelaide, South Australia. We are a uh, consulting uh, company, I guess, generally, um, dealing more in the, uh, I guess, traditional IT infrastructure space, so uh, we deal, you know, uh, with networking, um, internet provisioning, um, server uh, deployment, and you know, uh, setup, installation, support. Um, yeah, wireless. Like managed services, kind of. Yeah, managed. Yeah, and managed services as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm one of the uh, engineers whose focus is uh, on Apple stuff. That's been certainly my story for my entire life. Oh, so you're the Mac guy. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, get, I get the problems, uh, the Mac issues that nobody else has been able to solve. <laughs> Those are usually fun problems, right? Yeah, yeah. By the time it, yeah. By the time it gets to me, it's uh, usually uh, going to cause me to tear my hair out. Well, maybe not that bad, but, you know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's a doozy by the time it gets there. That's you know that's part of the job. It's fun stuff, right? Like figuring out what you need to do and getting creative. Of course, and and that's um, you know certainly the variety of the type of work that we do, having multiple customers, um, you know, different environments uh, across different industries, um, means that day to day I'm not doing the same thing. Um, I'm not even necessarily you know in the same place every day. So yeah, that variety is a. Uh, very important for a uh, an enjoyable work life for me. So you said you've been you've been doing this um, you know your entire career. What what's your origin story uh, for that? How did you get started in the Mac? 
Um, so we had a Mac at home when I was a kid. So Mac has always been in my life. I think it was in LC575 uh, that we had. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, right from an early age, um, uh, computers were something that interested me. My parents uh, tell the story that even from the first day of primary school, I was uh, fixated on uh, the computers that were in the classroom and in the school. So, yeah, I've always had an interest and I guess, uh, yeah, so our high school, well, high school at the time uh, for uh, my state started at year eight, so you're about 12 or 13 years old. So at high school, I got interested in um, the IT uh, deployments uh, and environment that they had there and started, you know, building, uh, I guess, relationships with the IT team um, and the school that I went to um, had a, uh, a sort of focus, not necessarily the right word, but they were um, keen to have student involvement um, where possible. So there were, you know, at the time it was a netware school. Uh, so we had netware for one. Um, there was, uh, they even ran a netware, um, netware administrator uh, courses at the school where you could actually you know, go through the training and actually uh, then sit the exam and become a certified Novell administrator. So I think I have a CNA 411 uh, from back then. And wow. that, over that's time, not translatable at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the directory stuff is oh, because sure. uh, uh, e-directory. Um, yeah, it was, it was obviously based on LDAP um, and a little bit of a segue, but... I was actually involved later on at that school uh, working with one of our local S Apple SEs at the time doing a Mac OS X to uh, Novo eDirectory integration. Um, so all the, all the Mac clients around the school because uh, it was a, a mixed environment, both Windows and Apple, uh, and, yeah, integrating them into uh, Novo eDirectory. So, you know, signing on with your eDirectory username and password using the LDAP binding. Um, and custom, you know, attribute linking there. So yeah, I started, um, I guess, hanging out, hanging out with the IT people, and probably uh, sometimes in recess and lunchtime, uh, be in the IT office there. And uh, over time, um, thanks to uh, you know their, I guess, welcoming of me, and you know the support of the uh, uh, IT teaching staff as well in the school, um, uh, progressed from you know just helping out. Uh, there to actually probably by the end of my high school uh, effectively running the Mac side of the network. So I was, uh, you know, deploying images, um, you know, setting them up even to start with. So I was creating the image for deployment, uh, setting it up, uh, you know, burning into uh, DVDs or CDs at the time uh, right. and using Apple software restore back in uh, Mac OS 9. Good old ASR. Uh, to, yeah, to uh, deploy to the labs. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I was, uh, yeah, so after I graduated, um, the school offered me part-time work to continue uh, looking after the Mac side of the network, which was fantastic um, because they were very flexible around my university schedule. So university um, throughout the week and then maybe five to ten hours um, a week at the school uh, keeping the Mac infrastructure running. So we had, uh, you know, all the stuff, Xserves, um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good times. Awesome. Matt loves the X serves. <laughs> I uh, 
spent a lot of time in schools, art schools, film schools, and then went into visual effects. And that's where we set up XN. My boss was like, this new thing called XN, figure it out. Oop. <laughs> and then uh, Apple had bought Shake, uh, the compositing software. So mm -hmm. vis visual effects studio with tons and tons of Xserve raids and Xserves and XN. And yeah, they were noisy, but awesome. <laughs> I saw a little flash of that in the uh, WWDC video where they're talking about lights out management for the new Mac Pros. We had a lot of... Yeah, that, that was exciting. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> reminded me of the old days. <laughs> What's old is new again. And I'm assuming they're just probably like updating the T2 firmware to support LOM or something. I don't know. How do you think they're actually making it work? I don't <laughs> want to say anything without sounding stupid. <laughs> in, in the Xserves, uh, lights out management was a separate, a separate chip. Uh, mm. chip. Um, so yeah, they they and and when they introduced that, they changed the entire network stack, which is why you can't continually ping. Uh, a Mac to see if it's alive because even after it crashes, the network stack will stay up uh, and respond to the ping, which is really annoying. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how that all changes, especially with the Mac Pro. Yeah, I mean, they said it starts with an MDM command, which is basically the story of all Mac management from now on. It started with an MDM command. Mm. It's basically yeah. the MDM command sends it to your MDM to your lights out management controller, which in mm -hmm. their example is like a Mac mini, and then mm -hmm. it sends a command to the local network. So I'm guessing there's a separate chip in the Mac pros because it only works with the Mac pros, unfortunately. Okay. It'd be nice if it worked with Mac minis too because they're great as servers, despite all the enterprisey people that say otherwise. That's why we have Mac Stadium and all these other companies with Mac minis, but oh. I love them. <laughs> oh, I've got a uh, customer that has, amongst other things, two Mac minis. Uh, for caching servers, and we spec them up with a uh, 10 gig Ethernet, and it's amazing oh, when you uh, do a software update from one to the other, and how quickly it flows. It's you know gigabytes a second of, <laughs> of uh, update speed. My customers with XN run them off Mac Mini controllers, and you know XN is redundant controllers. Plus, thanks to Alex Narvi, my Canadian colleague's cool idea that you could run another Mac Mini in target mode. So we just have it cloned to another Mac Mini. So one dies, you have another one sitting right underneath it. Plus, Time Machine has actually been very good, despite some bad press. I've restored XN controllers from Time Machine. Just like, oh, yeah, go back to the day you were awesome. Yep, boom, back. <laughs> a lot of things change, right? Uh, I think uh, got, a lot of these videos. Have you got any XN controllers running on Catalina? No. <laughs> <laughs> the upgrade process is a little bit different. Well, I mean, I always run like a year behind. So it, even when the OSs came out like a year, two years, two and a half years, it's just for VFX production, sometimes movies could last a while, but it's just like I never wanted to run the latest. Security patch is the latest, but not the latest, mm -hmm. latest. So we're running 1014 on everything. Yeah, Catalina, yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, you basically have to restart the XN controller after every mac os update so it doesn't actually come up by itself you actually have to open server app and then re restore the config um, to like be a master and then for the the secondary or any secondary um, it actually rebinds itself as a or as a open directory replica and yeah as a uh, secondary controller i blame a lot of things on my uh, early vfx experience where i didn't get a lot of sleep we ran that shop 24 hours a day and I was the only admin for 
a lot of gear. And uh, XN1 being very unstable, I still have like mental problems from that, you know, and lack of sleep and nightmares. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, But uh, it also where I, I grew to love backups and multiple redundant layers of backups and archives. And so I never run without never run XM without tape backups as well as like I have full sets of multiple raids that are all complete copies of everything so we can restore from anything from anywhere any medium because <laughs> if XM's like, bad it just phew. it just starts again yeah I mean you talk about uh, ZFS or for our Americans ZFS or whatever but um, you know machine crashes you can just go yep bring it back no problem it's never never any had any problems so there's definitely maybe file systems that are more stable than XN in the sense of being able to restore from them. But I mean, Fiber Channel is the fastest. Though, as you said, with 10 gig, things are getting faster. And you can put a 40 gig or 100 gig networking card in a Mac Pro or something and can have an interesting network. APFS is going to be uh, uh, really interesting with the new snapshotting for OS updates as well. Yeah, that's that. Definitely very interesting. There's a lot of file system interesting things. You're not actually running the new uh, operating system from a live file system. You're running from a snapshot. Um, There's so much that's changed. But APFS still isn't really supported, as I've seen on large volumes or raids or sends kind of thing. It's still going to be an internal file system, internal drive. Yeah, so much is changing (laughs) every year, right? And we have to figure it all out. Yeah. It looks like they're moving to SMB for, for a lot of things. So SMB2 will be a lot of the file system for external storage and, and things like that. And and with yeah. the new snapshotting, the machine actually fully boots up because the OS is sitting in a secure partition. You actually fully boot up before you get to the login screen. So that's kind of Tar- wild, yeah. right? Target mode is done. You're going to be Gone. SMB. Well, target mode's still around, kind of. But... Yeah, it's everything's weird now. You press and hold the power button, and magic happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get some of this new hardware. All the ma- all the magical key commands are gone. So we'll post links to the the videos in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, Apple's done a great job of posting videos, and I love the shorter sessions. As someone who loves to have short sessions at Mac DevOps, quick talks, and anything in between, I love the short sort of segments in the developer channel so have you been watching any of those phil oh yeah absolutely i've got my uh, starred my favorited um sessions that i want to watch um on the wwdc and yeah trying to uh, chip away at them when i can around you know work and life <laughs> yeah there's that what's new in managing mac devices for deployment and then the explore mm-hmm. the new system architecture of apple silicon definitely two highlights <laughs> Shauna, have you watched any? Not many, actually. I've been rather distracted <laughs> with a lot of different things in life. So, <laughs> not not me, unfortunately. <laughs> You'll have all summer to catch up. All summer and the rest of my life. And the rest of your life. <laughs> At least <laughs> one calendar year before everything changes again. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, the internet never forgets. It will always be somewhere. There'll be a retrospective of the 2020 video somewhere. We'll we'll look exactly. back nostalgically. The year we'll never forget, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's very a uh, very interesting year. Well, they took a lot of uh, cues from uh, Mac DevOps YVR and their production value. I have to say, 
I think they stepped up their game. Yeah. Yeah. We inspired them. <laughs> the emojis, that was our idea that we stole from them. Do you get right. royalties from that? Yeah. Yeah. That oh, right. Swiss bank account or Cayman Islands, something. Nah, it just seemed like the emphasis on MDM is, is, is expected and more, more features in MDM. And even Apple was feeling the heat. They had to buy an MDM company. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting news to wake up to. Yeah. Saw an email in my in- inbox and then is, Slack. Is this profile manager the second? I say version 11. I feel that they uh, they bought them to manage their stores and all the retail side of thing, and we'll actually never see it uh, on our side uh, in the in the IT space. So that that's my theory. We'll see how this plan this kind of pans out over the next couple Some, of months. Sometimes they buy companies for the people, and I know several people that were there were quite vocal and in about their knowledge of the MDM spec and security. So they could be getting talent to help with MDM security or MDM deployment, or maybe they're creating a different story about how MDM is going to do more in the future. We can only hope that they were building something internally. That's what I was under the impression of, but am I allowed to well, say that here? It's <laughs> 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 this all speculation, right? It's all speculation. I mean, so what are you going to find me? Is Apple going to find me and dox me on the internet? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. But that was just, <laughs> this is what I, it was my hypothesis. I just thought like they were going to probably build something and try to contribute to the space a little bit more. But it's possible that they need the people. Mm, totally possible. I mean, they, they're using Jamf in their stores at the moment to manage those Mac deployments. Right. They sort of, yeah. you know, they hide it. They hide it. But, you know, if you poke around like, I have been known to do on their store max to find out how they work. Um, there's a very interesting NVRAM um, argument that basically turns it into um, what used to be uh, done by uh, Deep Freeze. Um, yeah, so anything that is written to the uh, drive just gets effectively wiped um, at the reboot. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. The APF snapshots is pretty cool. We had an interesting session about that, but was it last year, I think, Matt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you poke around in their like internal scripts that they've got on the store machines, um, there's a yeah you can see it um, test for that NVRAM variable, and when it doesn't update, it has to turn it off. So changes uh, to the disk actually get saved, uh, and then after it's finished doing its update, it will reset that NVRAM variable to turn it back to wipe everything that's changed at boot. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's so much changing that that one video where exploring this system architecture, just talking about the boot up and recovery mode, the Mac sharing mode, and just so much new is changing with these Mac ARM uh, Macs that don't exist yet. I mean, we'll see what they're going to offer us. I want a dockable iPad Pro. You want a dockable? Yeah, so that I can basically have a Mac and just be able to dual boot it in from iPad OS to, to Mac OS. So it's essentially what you're getting with the developer uh, uh, transition kit, right? Is uh, kind of like the switch iPad in a, in a minute. Yeah, exactly. The switch is a spectacular example of that, right? Hmm. I want to play Minecraft on it. On your switch or on, <laughs> on your, your switch <laughs> on this new Mac, on this new, very expensive Mac. I want to play Minecraft. I mean, that's what my daughter is going to ask me right away. The other day, she like ran in. She's like, I can't connect to the server anymore. And I'm like, what did you do? She's like, I updated Minecraft. There's a new version. I'm like, oh, I think the server has to be updated. So I'm 
suddenly I'm like, uh, okay, stop playing with monkey report, look online, try and find, where do I find a new server component to install on the server that I'm running? Uh, look online and like, look everywhere. Finally download something, install it. And my daughter's like, yay, daddy, I love you. And then runs off and go play it. Anyway, I have to install Minecraft to get those, those little messages. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, Mine- is Minecraft as a service, is that, is that a new offering? Man. Yeah, it used to be waffles as a service, but I guess I made too many waffles, so now they don't appreciate them. But now it's more Minecraft. If I can keep the Minecraft server up, I have a job. Is there a Docker container for Minecraft server? It probably could be. I'm running it go. on a little Mac Mini, you know, next to the Monkey Mac Mini. <laughs> <laughs> Should drop Stack. that towards uh, Mikey and see uh, see what he says. So yeah, the, the internet remembers. I may have tweeted him right away. I was like, Mike. How do I fix this? You help me set it up. <laughs> and then I like <laughs> searching the internet trying to like find an answer. And then I'm like, okay, I figured it out. Kind of like most good tech support when you don't answer someone right away, they sometimes email you back going, oh, I figured it out. <laughs> it's like emergency is over. That's my personal favorite. I'm like, <laughs> wow, you're doing so great. Close ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Docker, yeah. that was an interesting uh, thing with Docker uh, being able to run basically virtualized in. What, what was interesting to me in those presentations was it was all Linux and Linux has ARM builds. So, you know, obviously if you're, you know, virtualizing on ARM hardware, uh, you can only you know, virtualize ARM. If it's anything else, it's translation or emulation. Um, so it'd be interesting to see um yeah, what is possible for emulating uh, the Intel uh, chipset for you know your traditional Windows uh, installs? Yeah, I think it's going to be ugly. Hmm. The early days of PowerPC Max, when we virtualized Windows, <laughs> it was so yeah, so sad. I remember those days? Yeah, it's like no, oh. no. Suddenly, it became easier when we switched to Intel, hmm. though. Again, from my virtual uh, visual effects experience, we had these quad core 64-bit, you know, G5s, and then the first Intel Macs came out, and there was these 32-bit, like, sort of sad excuses for computers. So, it was a, the transition was difficult, but you get easy virtualization, I suppose. But you had to wait for 64-bit Intel to be awesome again. But is there a Windows ARM version? There is, there? but it's only for certain chips or certain hardware manufacturers. I was reading. And apparently, it's very difficult. So, I mean, there's the Raspberry Pi version of uh, Windows, so um, you can you might yeah. be able to at least run something like that. Oh. I'm not sure how much uh, Intuit QuickBooks you're going to get done on something like that, which is most of what my Windows uh, installs have been. Boot Camp appears to have been booted, mm. so to speak. Isn't, I mean, isn't Windows yeah. as as a service now somewhere? Can't you just RDP wow. virtualize yeah. going to a software service. Who runs apps anymore? Yeah, that's true. I guess that's where they're pushing it anyway, right? Pay Microsoft money every month to do everything. Ah, uh, WWDC, so much new stuff. It's a lot to keep track of, but it's certainly a very cool. What else is interesting? We're starting a book club. We're going to start with this DevOps for Dummies book club. So I'm hoping we start that in July. Like the conference, we will do something new and we'll figure it out. One chapter, an episode, digging into DevOps. So, is this is this, is this book club going to be something where you read it out on the podcast, and you know we all just get to listen in and follow along, or 
That, we need that could be cool. I think there are copyright issues if we do something like that. <laughs> we but, could, you know, could we select <laughs> passages? We, if we, we have trouble should, sleeping. We should re-emphasize the book that we're going to have for the book club so folks can order that if they would like since July is just around the corner. Yes, DevOps for Dummies. DevOps for Dummies by Emily Freeman. So we'll take a, a little chunk of it uh, week by week and kind of explore what what's being covered in there. So hopefully to add a different dimension to uh, to the podcast. The Mac dimension. The Mac dimension. It's like the Twilight Zone. It's like everything's the same but different. How does this apply to Mac Mac users, Mac IT? Even more so with Apple Silicon, right? Ooh. <laughs> it was so weird watching the uh, the keynote. I felt like I was going back in time in some ways, like with this new translucent menu bar, I'm like, I'm sure we've done this before. Or was it like 10.5? Yeah. And they introduced, like, I'm probably getting the version number wrong, but there was one version where they introduced a super translucent menu bar. And it was like, oh, the big new thing. And then in the next major version, they significantly reduced the translucency of the menu bar because there was legibility issues. So, <laughs> Well, and just general accessibility issues, right? I mean... The font is so thin on this OS. It's crazy. I know thin well, is in, but I remember the Aqua user interface in, in the original 10 OS 10 Mac OS. That was pretty awesome. I don't know. It was all very lickable coming from old Unix terminals, forwarding X windows and typing commands. And all of a sudden whoo. on the original Mac OS nine, you know, it was very blockish and square. I mean, that that UI really didn't change from system seven through system nine. So God, I'm old. A blast from the past. You just reminded me at my, at the school uh, that I went to and worked at, there was a copy of the original Mac OS 10 server. The Ooh. one that looked like, yeah, yeah, the one yeah. that looked like Mac OS nine. But it was really yeah. next. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember we bought that where I was working and we like looked at it. I'm like, mm, nope, not ready. Not ready. <laughs> but I, I think I was so excited to have an actual copy of OS 10 to install on, on some Macs at work when I was working in a school and then at home because I was like, finally, all these years of using Unix and Uni, and then I get to be a sysadmin. Finally, yay. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was like, how do, I, how do you admin Unix? How do you do these things? <laughs> I think we had a Quadra 8600 running uh, AUX for a little while, oh, wow. which was the predecessor to that. But I mean, talk about old Apple Unixy type things. AUX was really interesting. I have a soft spot for my blue and white G3. I used to call it my Smurf Tower. You know, it's like a little Smurf house. But if anybody remembers it, Smurfs, you know, AUX was yeah. interesting because uh, they had built GUI around all the command line tools. So you could pick the options and then it would actually show you what the command line uh, option would be. And you could copy and paste that. So you, it was a really cool way to learn Unix. It's kind of a lot of how I learned uh, a lot of the Unix stuff beyond the VAX that I was so lucky to use back in Ugh. university days. Vax VMS. Anytime I had the misfortune of sitting at a VAX or a VMS system, I was like, mm, kind of like Unix, but uglier, like mm, guessing commands. Kind of the same as I would sit at DOS. I was like, ah, it's kind of like a bad copy of Unix. What is the command in DOS? Now we're spoiled. Z shell auto completes for us. You don't even have to look up the man page. It's spectacular. Yes. I mean, when we started with OS 10, it was uh, C shell, the TC shell. And then that's right. Yeah. 
looking all of this up as we're talking about it. What's I'm that? looking all of this. I said I'm looking all of this up as we're talking about it because I have no idea. <laughs> Ah, you guys are talking about. I think I'm I like, think yeah, an okay Apple A U X. What is that? And I'm looking at it. And Just I'm say like, whoa, okay, this is like <laughs> no. It's like whoa, this is like. Yeah, oh, I like man. the little colorful icon, like the Apple icon it has in the corner. That's so. Yeah. This is like iconic. Like this is like. I mean, I learned so much cool. early stuff on syst- like um System Five Unix and C Shell, and so OS Ten was awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, things change. Got a new shell, Z shell, ZZ top shell. <laughs> you and your Z's. Yes, we American Z's. I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the Australians. How do you pronounce it? I'm sure it's Z as well. Z, Z, the correct way. So we butcher everything we touch. You know, even in French, it's Z. For the sake of world peace and harmony, I will accept your way of saying things, JD. I will feel upset about it, but I will be polite. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course, my comment was tongue in cheek. <laughs> what other new technologies and, and things are happening for for you, Phil, down down under? Uh, you know, for where do you, where do you see things going for you uh, with all of these changes? Are you gonna have a job? I hope so. Are any of us going to have a job? <laughs> Are there people that are going to need help? Yes. It is very interesting. It's going to be one of those things that is just going to be partially wait and see how it actually pans out. Um, you know, it is, you know, they've uh, announced a two-year transition um, for, you know, their own silicon, moving to their silicon. However, they also stated that they're going to continue to support their Intel chipset uh, Max for a long time, whatever long time means. Um, going to continue selling them and yeah. making them so yeah it's a uh, an interesting time to be alive <laughs> yeah i mean along those lines it's it's really interesting right because you have these giant uh multi-core mac pros that we have now and and with the soc design you know our system on a chip design of of the new apple silicon i mean how many cores can they really get into something like that i think that's one of the the unique things about Intel's silicon is that uh, you can stack cores and and have multiple chips and and uh, pipeline them together. I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see if Apple moves down that road or if they uh, want to keep that as a specialty for Intel and support that that way. I think they showed in one of the videos. I mean, in, I think it's the case in the iPad Pros and and even I think the iPhones. There's multi-core chips already in this, the system on a chip, and so they have low power and high power. So they showed how they're going to have multiple cores, and they're going to distribute tasks to the low power and the high power as needed. So there's going to be power management and different cores. Not It's not going to be 4 times 1.7 gigahertz. It's going to be 4 times some at these and some at those, so frequencies and clock speeds and... Sure, but that's not a 16-core Mac Pro or or anything like that, right? So yeah, I I would argue that even as someone who has editing clients with iMac Pros, we never got the highest core count because you actually lose performance with more cores, and that's only for bank accounts that need to be drained that you buy those. Uh, There's oh, actually not actually as fast. Um, so we'll we'll have to see. I'm I'm interested with the integrated uh, GPUs because. That's always been a sore point with 
the whole NVIDIA versus ATI, now AMD sort of, you know, who's got the better graphics. Final Cut works great on the AMD GPUs, so it's not a huge problem. I mean, Premiere and other programs have had super huge NVIDIA cards to make their work for, uh, you know, their applications to perform better. So I I don't know how the integrated graphics is going to work and if it's going to work out. I mean, certainly for apps that are tuned for it, like Final Cut, it's going to be fine. Well, I mean, they showed off Unity and they showed off, you know, other apps, but I'm not worried about Excel and Word and their graphics performance. It was interesting that they uh, mentioned gaming uh, a number of times during the, the session. Yeah. Like, definitely the keynote and maybe the State of the Union as well. Yeah. Uh, did anyone read the room? Is Mac gaming? I mean, in the creative space, I mean, Apple used to be in VFX because they bought Shake, but then they dumped it. So what there went VFX <laughs> industry all, all went to Linux or Windows. But uh, how many creatives are, are working in 3D on Macs? Maybe some, but... I, I think they're looking to expand the iPhone gaming, which is pretty extensive and, and vast uh, into and the guess- Mac platform. Yeah, those so, iPhone games are going to run on macOS. Right. <laughs> Catalyst is very interesting. Yeah, that's a whole other other dynamic. It's one game that I play on my iPad all the time. It's called Sky. It's super oh. cool. It's like very scenic. Maybe I'll do nice. like a, I'll show you guys, but it's like I don't know yeah. why the only way I can describe this game is literally as beautiful. Like <laughs> it's like the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Um, but that I think that has been most of my experience gaming on on my phone or iPad or what have you. It's impressive what kind of games can run on the iPhone and the iPad. I mean, one of my daughters <clears throat> plays Call of Duty on her iPad as well as on the PlayStation, so she's happy moving and she can play Minecraft there as well. And um, but it seems like consoles have taken over most of the gaming world. But and even know. one of my daughters wants to build a PC just to play other games. She doesn't want to build a Mac. It's not possible anyway. Mm-hmm. There's no games. Mm-hmm. Like on that level, when you leave the console, you're going to build, be building your custom Windows machine to play games. That's right. Oh, no, you have a Windows admin in your home. <laughs> well, she's also excited <laughs> by the fact that if she has something that's non-Apple, that it will probably not be controlled by her dad. <laughs> rebellion. Uh, yes, rebellion, rebellion starts here. Yes. <laughs> I've been a little aggressive with the screen time and the uh, parental controls of the devices that may may spawn an independent person. Sounds good. She's smart. (laughs) Has anyone here been uh, living dangerously and uh, upgraded anything to the betas yet? Yeah, my personal is is running on a beta. I'm recording on on a beta right now. You're recording on a beta right now, Shana? Yep, yep. My personal is always running the betas, but I don't use it as often as my work machine, so... It's kind of like, eh, if it dies, it dies. <laughs> if it breaks something, it's okay. <laughs> I did download and test the new Big Sur and yeah, reported into Monkey Report. So it's live. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of changes, a lot of things that are not going to be possible. <clears throat> don't know if we mm-hmm. can go into all the details, but a lot of things are going to be more user approved and less. It's not the death of root agents like Monkey or Jam for other root agents or running things even as sudo, but. Um, it's it's getting closer in terms of mm. security. Yeah, because they, they announced a change with the um, profiles command that even when it's running as root, or no, maybe was it profiles or maybe another one? There was one of the profiles. sessions they talked about a profiles. command where even though it's uh, 
even though you might run it as root, it still requires uh, an administrator password to actually uh, profiles will jump up the system preferences mm -hmm. now and adding certs to the trust store, which is part of my workflow when you're onboarding clients go, oh, trust this cert and you won't be able to do that anymore. So I think they're trying to take out some vectors for some attacks. People have been installing profiles, MDM control certs. Yeah, I think it might have been um, network setup. I was watching a session where the guy mentioned that network setup, sorry, network setup um, now is res more restricted um, in what it can do. You have to be a um, admin user now for most tasks, whereas before uh, even a general user could do a lot of things with that command line tool. Yeah, they de definitely seem to be trying to address the fact that they're trying to make things more secure, but also they need to address how are we deploying them or how are we setting them up or managing them if they're part of a fleet or other. Which means it's important to test, right? Now's the golden opportunity. Yes, we'll be testing all summer and all your winter then. Yep. Certainly the uh, customers that I deal with, the ones that are most successful in their deployments and being uh, the ones that are ahead of the game and actually have a, uh, the ones that I've been able to work with them and actually develop a, a sort of a testing workflow uh, yeah, to run um, you know, the beta releases uh, through you know, their core business processes to make sure that, um, well, to get an understanding whether anything's broken, file feedback and work out if there's mitigation that needs to happen or whether they need to look at other solutions or you know make those decisions about and so therefore be in a knowledgeable position on day one of uh, release. You definitely need courageous employees, clients, somebody that wants to run things and is okay with providing feedback and knowing that not everything is going to work. You need those everywhere, dedicated testers. <laughs> I specifically organized my uh, first my Tuesday, which is the your Monday, which was WWDC keynote and State of the Union, to be with one of those customers for the entire day to do the you know that first uh, step of testing, getting the betas down onto their devices, and yeah, nice. See how it works. Sometimes it feels like we're doing unpaid work for Apple, but it it also pays to get the heads up, you know, a couple months, and you can file those feedbacks and try and let people know that you may need certain features and. If they're going to take features away that they might impact your business. So good luck to you, Phil. Phil, where do we find you on the internets? So you don't find me very many places. Um, you can find me on Mac Admins, Slack, um, NIDA there. So say hi. Um, apart from that, um, don't have social media, don't have LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor, thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor. Simple MDM, our silver sponsor. And Adigy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps Podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps Podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. I'm just going to look, look at my iPhone and I've listed 10 things that can make J.D.'s life hell. Here we go. It's number one. Oh, I love you. Number two. <laughs> I love you too. I miss you. <laughs>
Number three. Um, what are you eating tonight for dinner, JD? I have no <laughs> idea. I have to get home.